from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. I'd like to welcome Coach Cam Riley, varsity boys coach for Fowler High School. New Coach's Edge member joined us in July to the Coach's Edge podcast as he digs into the 100-day off-season program. And we'll get into why he's talking about that right now, because I know you probably listen. Why are we talking about that? It's the preseason. We're almost in, in basketball season right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Coach Riley, thank you for joining the Coach's Edge podcast. As I said, a fresh member to Coach's Edge. Coach, why don't you introduce yourself before we get started? Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Uh, just, you know, to start off, thanks so much for having me on here. Um, as you said, varsity boys basketball coach at Fowler, uh, going into my fourth season. Um, and I also do a little bit of coaching on the travel circuit uh, for Parallel 45, which is an AAU program that was originally started in northern Michigan. Um, that's kind of drifted up here to central Michigan near Lansing. Um, but super excited to be here. Uh, new Coaches Edge member. Met a lot of great coaches and excited to share and learn and, and talk with you today. Let's talk about that real quick. What, what um, I'm always curious when we have different coaches, you know, and we personally didn't know each other before you joined the membership. You know, why, why did you join the Coach's Edge, coachesedge.coach, and what do you think of it so far? Yeah, I just think, you know, I always preach to my players, um, you know, to learn and grow. And, and uh, you know, I also always say, you know, we have to be what we want our players to become. And so as a coach, uh, the game is always evolving. And any opportunity that I can take to learn and talk to and listen to coaches who have been there and done it before and share ideas, you know, I just want to take that opportunity. Awesome. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. And that's the cool thing about the Coach's Edge is, you know, it's not just the resources, it's the community, right? So as you mentioned, it's more than you accessing drills and videos and PDFs, being able to learn from other coaches who are in your shoes and other parts of the state or other parts of the country uh, is really an opportunity for all of us to learn and grow. I know I've gotten a ton better since uh, we really started that, that membership. So as we dig into the topic today, 100-day off-season program, there's a couple of things that you mentioned that you're very passionate about. One, I mean, all of them I'm very passionate about as well, but one in particular, because it happens to be my job, is skill development. So tell us a little bit of why skill development is so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and by the way, you've got some great content on skill development, training, group training, um, really, really good stuff and stuff that we've implemented within our program. But yeah, I just think skill is so important. You know, I just think skill travels. Um, I think skill wins. Um, I think coaches, myself included, we get a little wrapped up in scheme uh, and we lose sight of skill and um, which ultimately uh, allow us for the scheme to be effective. And so sometimes I just think we put the cart before the horse. And, uh, you know, I think I think I mentioned you, um, we were talking a little bit about it. You know, Dale Carnegie said it best. Um, I think it was Dale anyway, when he said the most important part of your plan is to plan for your plan to not go according to plan. The game is fast. Teams change things up. They may come out of a timeout, throw a half court trap at you. Um, they may, may throw an extended zone trap at you. And so in those moments, what do you want your players to do? And for us, we want our players to pivot and not panic. And so I just think it's so important 
um, to teach skill and to give your kids the confidence to, in those situations, um, pivot and work off two feet and make a play. You know, I love that. I've stolen that from you myself, especially as we teach a lot of footwork type finishes at our camps and hundred percent right on the money. It, you could have a great scheme. You could have great X's and O's, but listen, if your O can't shoot, pass, dribble, understand spacing. And if your X can't defend, rebound, understand rotations, it doesn't matter what the schema is. Right. And th those are all basketball skills that we need to have as a foundation. And I truly believe if whatever scheme you put them in, they have a chance to be successful because you built that foundation through through their skills. So I agree 100 percent. I just would say and one more thing, you know, I mean, really, there's so many and you're spot on. There's so many different offenses. But at the end of the day, we're really trying to create a help situation. And it's really the offense after the offense that a lot of times is going to get us you know, get the ball through the hoop. So yeah, I just think having skilled players who can make that play once you create the help situation in a long closeout is just imperative. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Create closeouts and long ones at that are a great way to put the defense in trouble. You talked about building relationships a little bit as we were emailing back and forth. One, why is that so important to you? And then two, what are some ways that you go out building that with your program? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just think, um, you know, when we talked a little bit about it, relationships, they're, they're everything. And, and uh, early in my career, um, a coach who's, who's way better than me introduced this concept of, you know, writing three players' names down um, each practice and making a point to talk to each of those three players. And at the time, you know, I, I didn't really understand the significance behind it. You know, I liked the idea and I wanted to try it out. And, and the concept is simple, but it really wasn't easy, but it was something I found to be really valuable and something I would recommend to any other coach. Um, I think when you can, when you, when you do that, when you talk with players, um, I think that it lets them know that you care and it creates buy-in um, first and foremost. But another reason is, you know, we have, we have four standards or pillars within our program. We, we say RISE, uh, it stands for Resilient Attitude intentional effort, servant leadership, and competitive excellence. You know, we talk all the time about these things and, and all that's good, but I learned, you know, again, in a short amount of time that that talk doesn't necessarily amount to-, to Yeah, talk is cheap, right? What are you, you going to do about it? Yeah. And, and so just to give you an example, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, servant leadership and what it means to serve and, and all those sorts of things, which is good. But then one day our players went over to the elementary school here in our district and they ate lunch and, and read to the elementary students. It was like, there's just no comparison, you know, feeling, you know, talking about ser servant leadership and actually feeling it and experiencing it uh, through, through that uh, trip was just, there's just no comparison. And so I just think those relationships that you can build um, with your players um, is, is just so huge for your success and creates so much buy-in within the program. Yeah. It's one thing to spend a bunch of money and, get some giant stickers put up in the locker room. Not to say those are, are bad. I think they're great uh, reminders. And I know a ton of coaches that have things like that, but at the end of the day, those things are up there to remind you of what you're supposed to put into action, right? And that's a great example of going to the elementary school, building that community, right? Fostering positive leadership, members of society. And at the same time, those kids look up to those high school basketball players. They want to be in their shoes someday. And so you're also building the basketball program from a 
a, not just a culture, but from a winning standpoint, because you're getting that buy-in, that interest, it, it really helps in a lot of ways. Now, you are an upcoming speaker at a friend of ours, Ken George, the Hoop Smart uh, Coaches Academy in Grand Rapids, and you're speaking on a 100-day off-season program. 100 days, my goodness, that's over a quarter of the year, right? And so that immediately caught my eye when I saw the coaches clinic and the promo come out, right? And so I, I got to ask this guy a little bit more about what does a 100-day off-season program look like? So, you know, why 100 days? And let's start to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this this concept, first of all, I love Ken and he's got a great clinic and I, I am so excited to be just a small part of it. Um, something I've went to the last couple of years and I always, always get something out of it. He, Coach George always delivers. Um, but yeah, talking about our 100 day offseason program, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of what, um, it's 100 days. Um, it's something we used to do a little bit longer, um, but I felt it was a little dragged out. So we wanted to condense it and, and, and shorten it to 100 days. It runs from May uh, until August. Um, so for our guys, you know, it's nice because then they can be done before they start fall sports. Um, we have three levels. There's platinum, gold, and silver. Uh, we give guys benchmarks that we want them to make. So for example, um, that platinum level is going to be like 20,000 makes and 20 hours of ball handling. Um, our gold level is going to be, you know, I'm, you know, 15,000 makes and, and, and 15 hours of ball handling. And then your, your silver is going to be just below that. Um, we do prizes. So guys who, who meet those benchmarks, um, you know, they're going to get t-shirts. Our, our highest level guys are going to get blue. Um, second level guys are going to get white and then lowest level is going to get gray and just an extra incentive to get those guys in a reward. We put them out on social media. We take a picture, all those sorts of things. Um, we have workouts. So, uh, basically what I do is, um, I create, I forget how many workouts we have, like a big and a post or excuse me, two big workouts, two guard workouts. We have four ball handling workouts. I send those out to the kids and I link, I actually put a link at the top of each workout where kids can click on it and I'll bring them right to YouTube. And it's actually former players and current players doing the workouts, um, for kids who maybe don't understand, um, what some of the terminology is on some of the workouts. Um, and so that's just a little bit of the what, um, and, uh, you know, someone might ask why we do it. Um, couple reasons, you know, obviously on surface level, um, to build skill. Um, like I talked about, I think skill is so important and I think having an opportunity to reach and connect with kids, um, outside of your traditional formans or time that you spend with them in the gym is imperative for them developing that skill and growing. Um, How do you go about measuring? I know you've mentioned some of the measurements as far as the, I'm assuming the kids are tracking this, they're getting back to you. You probably have like an Excel sheet or notes or folders or something of, of that nature. How much of this is, you know, I'm assuming this is grades nine through 12 that you're inviting your players to do? Yeah. So I, I actually, um, open it up to the whole program. Okay. Um, so this is for grades. We start basketball in our district in third grade, which is young. Um, but we, I open this up and send it to all players. Grades Anybody can do it. Cool. 12, yes. Nice. So the, there's obviously some opportunities, especially for your high school players to get some of those off season workouts in with the coaching staff in the gym, right. As far as how many, uh, you know, four player workouts, things of that nature. 
how much of this is, you know, dependent on, Hey, you're in the driveway, you got access to the gym, even though the coaches aren't there, you know, what, what are some of the percentages? And then, you know, how often do you get the players to, to come back and log in? What does that system look like? Yeah. So I, I think the beauty of this um, is that it gives players an opportunity. It kind of puts the accountability on them because it can be done anywhere. Um, we do have a structured off season uh, program that we run. Uh, so we're, you know, we're running four man starting in May um, into June. Um, and then we actually give them the month of July off. Uh, and this is where we kind of look for them to, you know, take it on themselves to do this workout program. And then we come back starting later August uh, with our structured uh, four-man program. Um, but that's what I love about this is it can be done anywhere um, at any time at, at home, in the gym, um, and wherever. Now, do the kids keep track of their hours and then report to you at the end of the 100 days or they check in every month? You know, yeah. what does that system look like? Yeah, so basically for my high so it's a little different depending on the age. So with my high school guys, um, I meet with all of them when the season finishes in like April. Um, and that's when they sign up for summer basketball. And when I meet with them, I bring along with me a folder for each one of them. And on the top, it's going to basically give them, um, I have like a sheet and it's going to, you know, have the goals on there, you know, goal one, 20,000 makes goal two, 25 hours of ball hand and goal three, you know, 25 games of one-on-one. Um, it'll break down, you know, what they need to do each day to reach those goals, uh, for, you know, say makes and ball handling, um, and it'll include like important dates. And then it'll also include, um, in Excel, they receive an electronic copy and also a paper copy, but I made like an Excel spreadsheet where they can log their makes for each day. Um, it'll total it for them. Um, and then they're expected to keep track on those, keep track of those on their own. And then they just report back. They're submitted to me um, by email, by mail, um, or just handed to me in person. Um, I give like a deadline, sure. which is like a week after, you know, it, the, the challenge finishes. All right. I love it. So you're talking about a certain amount of makes. I know coaches that are listening, at least I'm curious, what counts as makes you know is that perimeter shots is that finishes does form shooting count free throws everything what's on that list it's a great question so yeah we we count anything that we consider to be a game shot so um and that you know that's the thing and kind of one of the reasons we created this is like i really believe kids want to get better mm -hmm. and they want to improve their game and so i think as coaches it's kind of our responsibility to provide them with a resource to to improve their game and so when we put these workouts together, it's kind of, it includes everything from Mikan's to, um, you know, one dribble pull-ups to catch and shoot threes, um, free throws, um, attacking the wing rips, attacking the rim, um, pivot series. Uh, so it's really any type of make that is a game shot. You know, okay. we ask that the players, um, they don't necessarily have to do, um, just the workouts provided, but some combination of the workouts. So they could combine and mix maybe a little bit from bigs workout number one and guards workout number one. Mm -hmm. But as long as they're doing the game shots that we've outlined in any of those workouts, we're happy. Do you do any form shooting with them? 
there is a small section of form shooting at the beginning of each of the workouts. Yes. So we're doing things like, um, you know, just indexing the ball, hand to ball, ball to hand, one, two step hop, um, Mm -hmm. some simple stuff, but we do like to have that at the beginning of each one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey coaches, let me take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Our listenership continues to grow, and a big reason for that is the positive ratings and review. So if you haven't already, if you could take less than a minute of your time, leave a positive rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple or Spotify, I would certainly greatly, hugely appreciate it. Again, the podcast is free to listen. So leaving a positive rating and review goes a really long way as far as your support. Thank you for being such a big part of the Coach's Edge, our growth. I can't thank you enough, and we couldn't do it without you. Let's get back to the show. If you're emphasizing shooting with better mechanics, you also need to reward the kids for working on their mechanics by working on their form. Right. And so when you, when you say, Hey, we need to emphasize our mechanics, we need to improve our form, our footwork, our hand placement, ball motion, whatever that is. Yet we're doing 20,000 makes and all that time you spend on the form makes, we're actually not counting it towards the 20,000. You're telling those kids, you don't value the form shooting. Right. So yeah, you should be able to knock out 50 form shots, whatever it is in a rather short amount of time. We, we still got to count them. Just like if you, if you make a game finish, right? Yeah, you're close to the basket and, and you should make it. But if, if that's something that's going to help you improve your game, you, you better reward that that kid with, hey, that's a make towards my my 20,000. I get uh, fired up about that. I love it. But um, talk a little bit about how this helps feed, you know, that that hunger and that desire to improve with your program. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, like I said, I think kids, you know, we talked a little bit about this. I think kids want to be better players and they want to improve their game. And so again, as coaches, I think it's so important that we give them that opportunity, whether it be in our structured workouts or whether it be giving them stuff they can do at home on their own time. Um, And so, and when you do that, I think when you give kids the opportunity, when you give them these workouts, they see buy-in from you. Like, man, coach, coach took the time to like put this together for us. Like he cares about us working on our game in our own time. And, and then when they then, you know, buy in and take on this challenge um, and commit time and energy and effort in the off season to do it on their own time. I just think it, obviously, as you invest more into something, it's going to mean more to you. And so just feeding that hunger and that desire for kids to get better. And I, I just can't, I can't say enough about how important that's been for us as a program. Talk about the importance of creating that culture of hard work. And at the same time, having a sense of accountability, not just from players to coaches, but from players to players. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've noticed this in the short amount of time. Again, I, I, I just, you mentioned a culture of hard work. I think anytime you're doing, whether it be open gyms or, or four-man workouts in the spring and the summer and in the fall, and, and then this, this at-home challenge that we do, this 100-day program, I think anytime you do that, you're saying without actually saying a word about hard work that we do more in this program and we don't just pick up the ball in November when the season starts. And, and, and so I just think it's a great way. We talked earlier in this interview, I talked about, you know, talking about being a servant leader versus actually going over to the elementary school and serving. And I think this is just another example of putting in work, 
um, and not talking about it and it builds that. And then players, you know, it's contagious. So, you know, we have our, our varsity players, you know, completing this challenge, younger kids see that, and that's just going to motivate them and inspire them to then work on their game. So one of the things we do, actually, we have former players um, in the videos, which I think is kind of cool. You know, mm -hmm. player, younger players can watch it and see, you know, hey, he's working on his handle or he's working on his shot. You talked about working hard. How do you combine that emphasis on working hard, doing more, and still making it fun? Because for many kids, if basketball is not possibly their favorite sport or even second favorite sport, you have multi-sport um, athletes, how do you get them to enjoy that process of the off-season development? Yeah, great question. This might be, I think this is probably one of the bigger questions you have amongst coaches. You know, what's what's too much, what's not enough, what's what's that right balance? And so number one, I think just before I even start, I think I think as players, when you when you do these workouts and you work on kids' feet and you work on their handle, it, it might not be fun, but what kids do enjoy is they enjoy improving and becoming better. And then the sport becomes more enjoyable to them. Because instead of, instead of now in a scenario in a game where maybe they get pressured, you know, instead of panicking and throwing an off-balance pass and turning over and feeling a little bit of humiliation and embarrassment, now they're pivoting and making a play. Like, that's fun. Um, so that's the first thing. Number two, I think there's something to be said about, like, as a team, um, buying into doing extra and um, putting in that time and, and the camaraderie you have. Uh, the extra hours um, behind the scenes. I think there's something to be said about that. And then lastly, finding a way to incorporate in some way games, competitiveness. You know, I know like in our, you know, foremans and stuff, always trying to end with, you know, do some one-on-one, two-on-two -on -two type scenarios, shooting competitions. I think it's great to add time and score to shooting competitions. Um, and, um, and then obviously just doing things like if you want to do, for me, it's just as important to do extra things off the court that have nothing to do with basketball as it is doing extra things off the court that are improving skill on the court. Ton of great nuggets there. I mean, I think that you, you give them an opportunity as a coach, you know, you're not going to get every player to have basketball be their favorite sport. And, and you shouldn't, right? Everybody is different. Everybody has different interests. But I think part of being a varsity coach is you're giving them the opportunity. You're giving them the opportunity to be put in positions to develop, to succeed, to grow. And then they can choose from there how much they're going to take advantage of those given situations. Right. And if you can do that while providing, you mentioned the competition, different things that are competitive, fun, not just you know, doing a bunch of individual work, but combining that with, okay, we're playing one-on-one -on -one competition, some small side of games, working on our decision-making in a nutshell, that's not only going to help our in-game performance, but it's going to develop, hey, this is fun, right? And, and as you mentioned, the more you practice, the better you get and the better you get, the more fun it gets, right? And then it just starts to snowball in a, in a positive way. And once kids start to see, oh man, this is working this is working. I like this, right? Now you got them. Now you got them. And that's probably my favorite part of doing what I do is being able to go and in, in, in a matter of days, being able to see it like a light switch go on a kid be like, Oh my gosh, like 
I'm starting to get this thing, right? And, and then all of a sudden you start to build the joy of the game. And that's a beautiful thing to, to be a part of as a, as a coach. You have this 100-day off-season program. What do you think, if you had to nail down one specific thing that you, you know, ask your players to participate in or emphasize maybe more than others, and I hope maybe your players aren't listening to this because then they'd be like, oh, I'm just going to do that one. But what do you think that is? Yeah, I, I really push the shooting. In fact, actually, the first um, the first two years we did this, uh, we did just strictly shooting. It was just shooting because, as you know, um, we can make you know we can have great footwork, we can make all these great moves one on one, and we can get ourselves the shot or force the help situation or force long close up to get us the look. But if we can't put the ball in the hoop, it really doesn't matter. So I think shooting is first and foremost. Um, that's really what we emphasize. Um, and that's really what I push guys, you know, get those shots up and, and don't just get up one type of shot, do your catch and shoots, do your on the move, whether it be coming off a pin off a flare. Um, we run some dribble drive stuff. So we've got our kickups, you know? Um, and so, uh, make it competitive, do a game, you know, um, add some time and score. So you're creating game like shots, but yeah. And, and, in short shooting is the most important component of the hundred day skills challenge for us. Yeah. It's, I'm glad you said that we just finished our summer shooting podcast series, right. And some of our recent uploads in the coach's edge site were, you know, 10 of my favorite time and score shooting drills that I love to do a lot of fun, competitive, um, especially when I'm shooting with our college players that we train and be like, Hey, I beat you. You better get your game up, man. You're a college player, right? Get your shots up. Um, is always a ton of, ton of fun because, you know, in a four player workout or whatever, I mean, you're going and, you know, guys are competitive. Oh, what'd you get? Oh, I got 50. Oh, I got, you know, 54, you know, whatever game that might be. Um, it's that competition breeds improvement. And you can learn a lot about a player when they're competing, right? I've had a chance to, you know, we work with a couple thousand players. So you see certain kids that if it's a drill or a training, man, they're going hard, they're working hard. Okay, but now you're competing against somebody else, all of a sudden they'll shrink, right? And then you got the other players who they're, they're doing the work, but now it's a competition, boom, they puff up. They're like, sweet, it's go time now. Right. And so you're, you're able to see those different sides of players and you got to coach them up differently. Right. Usually that kid that, that shrinks during competition, generally a little more of I'm afraid to make a mistake. Right. And so you got to build the confidence of being okay with making mistakes. Right. And it's okay. You're not going to win every time. In fact, if you win all the time, you're probably not doing something right. Right. Because we're not being challenged in, in certain ways. And then you get that kid that's super competitive right? And they gas up and say, hey, that's great that you're competitive and you want to win, right? You want to have better results. It's going to take the other side of this as far as getting certain reps in. And, you know, that's how you, you know, partly how you develop your players. So um, that is a, a big one for sure. When we talk about shooting, it's so funny because, you know, I'll go around work with all these different programs. We'll have some programs for the most part, they can shoot the lights out, right? And, I'm like, man, shooting is not the problem. It's your ability to create those shot opportunities in a game, right? They can't handle pressure, tough making decisions. Ball handling is an issue, getting pushed out of their spot. So, yeah, you can knock down a ton of threes, but if you never catch the ball even close to the three-point line because you can't handle the pressure, doesn't matter how well you can shoot. And then to your point, you got the other side of things 
where we got other teams who can do all of those things to create the shot, but they just can't knock it down. Right. And so that's the beautiful thing about the game and about offense in particular is everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. Right. And at the end of the day, you got to put that ball in a basket some way, shape or form. And hopefully as coaches, we can do a good job of seeing what the strengths and weaknesses are of our team on a given year and help them be in a position to succeed a little more often based on, okay, you're on a dribble drive, you're running Princeton, you know, whatever that action might be. But you mentioned quite a bit of ball handling. And I'm always interested to talk with coaches who, um, you know, emphasize that because it seems like it's always one or the other. I don't want my guys dribbling. They're dribbling too much, something or other. And then other coaches like Steve, we need some help, man, because our guys are pretty good shooters, pretty good decision makers. We need to handle the ball against pressure. We need to learn how to attack, break the defense down, draw multiple defenders. So I've been, t- I've been talking a lot because I get fired up, coach. I'm sorry about that. But tell us a little bit about why the, the ball handling is such a big part of your program and how you emphasize it to your kids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just think it's, it's just to start. It's so hard to defend five players on the court who can all handle the ball. I just, I just think it's really, really hard. Um, and I think a lot of teams – uh, more now than ever, maybe look to change their defenses throughout the course of a game after a timeout, start a quarter, end a quarter. Um, we see a lot of teams, especially at the high school level um, in the state of Michigan here, you know, there's there's a lot of teams who are going to look to pressure you in the backcourt. And to me, having players who can handle the ball in those situations and keep their eyes up, man, it just really pays dividends in the end. Because now when they press you, you're not just breaking it, you're attacking it, you're getting layups and you're making them pay. And I think you force the defense to then respond to you versus the other way around. You can't handle the ball. All of a sudden now they're really limiting you. They're keeping you on one side of the court. Um, They're turning you over. They're creating live balls for themselves. So I just think handling the ball is so important. Um, And being able to, in the situations under pressure, which as you know, happens all the time at every level, having guys be able to keep their eyes up and find the open man is huge. What are some things that, you know, as far as ball handling drills, we see a ton of different ball handling drills out there that, that players can use, you know, our website even has, you know, probably too many. I think I'm actually going to edit our ball handling series and put scrap a bunch, put some new ones up. Um, There's so many things that we can work on out there. What are some things that you try to emphasize with your guys? Yeah, I just, this is going to sound weird, uh, but I think it is part of ball handling and I think it's footwork. Um, because I think, you know, I talk about how important ball handling is, but I think maybe the most important part of ball handling is knowing when to dribble, what it's used for and not overdoing it. So um, we do a lot of footwork, um, our pivot series. Um, and I think it's just important to change it up. So do some type of stationary dribble, whether it be one ball, two ball, um, do some on the move stuff in the open court, changing, you know, height, speed and direction. Right. Um and uh, so we try to, you know, combine all those sorts of things so our guys are well-versed. But the most important things for me, again, dribbles used to create an a passing angle to score and to alleviate pressure. And because um, there's nothing more frustrating than watching teams who over-dribble. <laughs> there's nothing. It doesn't mean we don't practice it and we don't want to be good at it and well-versed, right. but understanding what it's used for. Mm-hmm. 
100%. I, I mean, I love it. And you, you mentioned, you know, it sounds weird. I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, when we teach ball handling, that's essentially what we teach is footwork. You know, I, I think ball handling is footwork and it's not just dribbling as we call it dribbling. It's the catch. It's the pivot. It's the rips. It's the shot fakes. It's the pass fakes. It's the pickup, right? You got all those options again, besides being able to put it back on the deck that in my opinion is ball handling and the decision-making skills of that as well is, is ball handling now, understanding the purpose, right? We can attack the score. We can uh, draw pressure. We can uh, get out of trouble. We can create new passing angles. We can change up spacing opportunities within our team. We can use it to draw fouls, right? Uh, we can use the dribble to advance the basketball up the court. I don't know if I said that one already. If, if our guys or girls understand, okay, am I checking one of those five boxes, right? Okay, the dribble is being used purposefully. And if it's not, okay, well, I need to give it up. I need a pass. I need a screen. I need a cut. I need a space whatever that might be. Um, and that's an easy checklist for us to go through um, as far as the players that, that we work with. But again, it doesn't mean that you're not getting a whole bunch of reps in with a crossover or whatever it might be using some footwork, because that's what it's going to take to be able to do those things in an actual game. Last question. How do you incorporate, um, you know, strength and conditioning, lifting, you know, being a, a boys program, probably have a handful of football players. So maybe that helps uh, a little bit as well. But, you know, summertime players are not only looking to improve their skills, but they're trying to get stronger and become more athletic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really, I'm going to be honest. I am super fortunate in my district. Um, we actually bring a trainer in. Um, he's contracted in and he works with our players year round. So they're on a weight training pro now, granted also at my school, 99% of the kids are also play football. Um, but anyway, they're on a weight training program all year round. Um, and then in season, um, we're seeing, and we're with our trainer two days a week, um, just making sure we're maintaining our strength and our agility. They're doing strength training and they're also doing speed and agility. So, um, yeah, that's been huge uh, for our athletes' growth and development the last couple of years. Awesome. I love it. Coach, as we finish out the podcast, um, and again, if, if you want to learn more about this 100-day off-season program, um, this is just scratching the surface of it. Coach is going to be speaking at the HoopSmart Coaches Clinic uh, towards the end of October. It's like, October 24th, 25th, something like that uh, in the Grand Rapids area. Um, so be sure to check that out. I can put Coach Riley's uh, link on there. I'm sure there'll be some information about that as well. Ken George is the presenter. We've had him as a guest uh, speaker to our Coach's Edge members. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times. Really knows his stuff, provides a great clinic. So if you're in driving distance, I definitely re recommend attending his clinic uh, as well. It's, it's fantastic. I was there last year. Coach, who is someone that has made the biggest impact on you as a coach? Mm. Man, I know we're, 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 you didn't know I was going to ask that one. So what's that? Yeah. So it's an easy, easy answer for me right now. I, there's a lot of coaches, but I don't know if anyone has impacted me more than, than coach George, really, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I was fortunate to get to know him my first year when I got the varsity job, we've connected ever since. Um, 
and he just has so many great resources. His two books, he's got two books out there that you can get on his website, kengeorgebasketball.com. I worked his West Michigan Guard Academy with him this past summer, just seeing the way he runs his community camps. Um, we meet for coffee. We've talked about strategies and schemes. And um, yeah, I just, he's been such a, a great mentor for me. And uh, again, I would recommend anyone you mentioned already, his coach's clinic, October 23rd, Grand Rapids, Northview High School. Highly, highly recommend and any of his material at KenGeorgeBasketball.com, I would, I would recommend. Awesome. I mean, that's, that's high praise. And it goes back into the Coach's Edge, this podcast, our membership site, putting ourselves in position where we can learn and grow from other people, people that we look up to, it's a mentor, people that we respect, people that have been in similar situations uh, that we have. You know, as a coach, it can be a thankless job, especially as a varsity basketball coach. It can be a, a, a thankless job at certain points in time. So I think it's key for us to be able to reach out because we know we're not alone, right? There, there's many other people in the same boat as us throughout those highs and lows. And if we can develop those relationships, seek out mentors, learn from one another, share right our own experiences, I think we're all better off for it. And that's one thing I love about the coaches community, the coaches edge community. It's just full of a bunch of people that want to help one another out because that's a big part of what coaching is. It's, it's talking, it's, it's teaching, it's communicating, it's developing relationships, whether that's with players or other coaches. And yeah, you know, that, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you guys for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Uh, Coach Riley, this this was awesome. Um, could talk player development and programming and things like that all day. That gets me that gets me excited. I mean, I'm close to goosebumps right now. I mean, this is this was really fun. So, uh, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. To our listeners, same thing as well. If you're curious about Coach's Edge, we appreciate you. Reach out. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and good luck as you head into the season.